Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is up, everybody? It's a busy day. It's free agency day one, or I guess legal tampering day one, and the headlines have been fast, furious, and at least one professional team in the city of Cincinnati is doing things the right way. Yikes, looking at you, Cincinnati Redlegs. Uh, but the Bengals on the other side of the t- of town are making some moves, John Sheeran. Uh, how are you, bud? Happy, happy Monday. This has been a... Is it Monday? I'm it's been so chaotic, it's hard to keep up, but how you doing? It is Monday. It's a new week, and you know what? It's a football town. I'm, I'm tired of this baseball town. BS. <laughs> yes, it's the oldest franchise, but it's a joke. It is an absolute joke. It, it's, a, it's a non-salary cap world, and they're trying to play like it's a salary cap. Screw the Reds. Bengals, though, new week, new offensive line. How about that? Yeah, yeah. and look... Uh, first of all, happy to have you with me on this. Usually I fly solo. I get a couple of guests on here, but uh, Busy Day gets the man back in the in the other seat with me here. <laughs> John Sheeran and I am Anthony Cazenza, of course. We are with CincyJungle.com, and this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Unless you're stumbling on this show for the first time, welcome, and welcome to those who uh, have been regular listeners, watchers, etc. If you are New here, there is a subscribe button underneath the SB Nation logo on the YouTube channel. You can hit that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And, of course, this show, along with Orange is the New Black and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from our boys Ace Zim and Matt Minnick, are all part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, where you can get that on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of those, we are there. Happy to have, we've got a lot of live viewers across the, the streaming platforms. Happy to have all of you with us as we catch you up on all things, give a little bit of analysis. Usually happen in headlines, we go, you know, a lot of Bengals, a lot of AFC North, and then a lot of NFL stuff. We're going to kind of focus mostly on the Bengals. Uh, we're going to talk about where some of the targets have ended up or, or guys that we thought were fits and a little bit of other news, but we're going to kind of keep this a little more brief than other happening headline shows. So let's kind of start and recap from the beginning and what, what we what we knew going into Monday. What we knew going into Monday, John, of course, and we don't need to talk too much about this because we've talked about it in a couple of episodes, but franchise, if we're going way back in the beginning, franchise tag on Jesse Bates. So that is technically a reacquisition or an acquisition, however you want to view that, a one-year acquisition to this point of their star safety. So they retained him for right now, Looks like they're maybe going to be working on a long-term deal. Obviously, that's probably going to ramp up when the dust settles from these past these next couple of days. Um, so that was kind of the first domino to fall. And then, John, uh, some stuff. This has been kind of Tampa Bay week uh, or Tampa Bay weekend, I guess. And here's why. There are a couple of dominoes that followed here. And this is an article on CincyJungle.com. As we all know, the GOAT returns. Tom Brady unretires, and this is uh, an article up. I will put the link in the live chats for all of you folks. Um, Tom Brady unretires, and that was, I guess, surprising in, in a lot of ways, but his retirement never really felt, I guess, fully official. There wasn't the the emotional press conference that you usually see, especially from a player with the stature of, of Tom Brady. So with that, not only was that a, a ripple effect throughout the league, but uh, just big news, John. I think he was just waiting to see how he just felt about not committing to playing football. The, the joke is he went home to, to Giselle and the kids and couldn't stand it. But I mean, who knows? The, the, the dude's been playing football for about as long as I've been alive. 
or at least from the college to the professional level it yeah as soon as we didn't like see like a formal announcement it was always kind of up in the air and then he was still on the on the Buccaneers books and then who knows what they were going to do a quarterback so you know it just took him two months to really get that itch back to to playing again it, it is and you know maybe he uh, I was listening to everybody's best friend Colin Cowherd a little bit because I was driving around today and was on the radio I I truth be told have been avoiding sports talk radio ever since the Super Bowl I guess part of my morning of the Bengals losing that game I guess um at least locally uh but he he was kind of saying you know maybe there's maybe a, there was maybe a guilty parent type of situation when he reti- when he retired and kind of wanted to, to feel out the family situation and maybe he felt like hey I still got a lot left in the tank and let's go apparently there's been a lot of conversations between he and the buccaneers in terms of the bucks feeling like they can really make a good run of things and they will continue to surround him with pieces and one of the ones that kind of took a little air out of the free agency balloon from the Bengals standpoint, John, was Ryan Jensen shortly thereafter re-signing with the Buccaneers. A lot of folks thought, this is on Cincy Jungle as well, uh, this is courtesy of you, my friend, putting putting this up on, on Cincy Jungle. A lot of folks thought that this was going to be the guy that the Bengals were going to throw the big money at, right? This was, this was their target. This was their guy. That was the rumor. I would I'd love to get your thoughts on if you thought that's that was the case and if the Bengals really were all in on this and they had to make a, a last minute pivot onto some acquisitions we will talk about or did you kind of feel like maybe this was in the works a lot longer in the in the rear view than we thought? Well, we knew that Tampa Bay was going to try to bring Jensen back, and I think when Brady came back, that obviously made Jensen want to come back too. It's interesting, like the contract that Jensen got from the Bucks looks nothing like the contract that he would have gotten from the Bengals had that offer gone through. It's still a three-year, $39 million deal, which was the projection. It's what Pac-Man said it was going to be, but there's a couple void years in there. There's guaranteed salaries in the first two years. There's no roster bonuses, so it it is the same overall total value and length, but it's not a contract that the Bengals would have given specifically with the guarantees involved. So maybe this is just better for him because most of that is up front. He's getting the uh, guaranteed money up front and whatnot. And yeah, if he if he had made it to the market, maybe he would have even gotten a bigger deal because there's reports that said he was going to do something like Joe Tooney and reset the center market. And this is not at that level, but it's still more guarantees than the Bengals would have been comfortable giving. And yeah, based off what the Bengals did, 12 hours later after Jensen resigned, you could say that, yeah, they were very much interested in Jensen because they had that money allocated to something and then just had to do something else with it. And lo and behold, Pac-Man Jones was correct on the contract <laughs> <laughs> contract numbers. Time. Yeah. Three years, 39 million. That's the reported contract from Adam Schefter in terms of what Jensen resigned with the Buccaneers for. So uh, he is back with Tampa Bay. Now that is, like I said, it may have caused the Bengals to pivot off of that plan, or maybe they just that was just kind of a rumor that was out there, and they were maybe putting some feelers out there. And like you said, maybe it got a little too expensive for their blood, and they're like, we're going to go kind of more mid-tier, maybe a little lower-tier player than a, than a Jensen to fix some of the issues on the offensive line. So they tagged franchi- uh, they franchise tagged Jesse Bates. They re-signed, who is it, uh, Jalen Davis, right, the, the defensive back. Yep. And Trent Taylor uh, has also been been signed uh, again by the Bengals. So those were kind of the moves going into, into Monday. Now, the Bengals wasted no time. It was noon Eastern, and I want to say it was 12.02 Eastern, 12.01 Eastern. 12-01. Yeah, 12.01, maybe creeping towards 12.02. But my Lord, they wasted no time in – uncharacteristic Bengals free agency fashion for the most part. I know we're operating in a different world with the Bengals and free agency and in, in, with Zach Terror, Zach Taylor's era. Bengals sign free agent guard Alex Kappa to a, a lucrative contract. This guy is a dude who is durable. This guy is a guy who is, um, man, he, he plays tough and he's a technician not the best athlete, as we know, John, but this is somebody that can come in right away and help out the Bengals' offensive line on the interior. He's a glass eater. He, that's he exactly is a glass he eater. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't include that. I, I, was, I was hoping you would, yeah. <laughs> but 
j- just for backstory here, like when I messaged Anthony about coming onto the show, I wanted to to do so to talk about free agency and stuff. And we we hadn't decided if we were going to do it today or tomorrow. We ended up deciding on today after everything that happened. But I figured we could do it tomorrow because they're not probably not going to do anything at least early Monday. They might do something late Monday in 2020. They signed DJ Reader and Trey Wayne's, I believe, Tuesday of that yep. year's free agency, right. and then. Last year, they signed Trey Hendrickson like late at night on Monday, 12.01 to sign a player at a position that they've never spent big money before. Like, that's the most shocking thing to me. And it obviously sparked the, oh, the Bengals aren't cheap after all, for people who still kind of buy into that narrative. And the deal itself, it's a four-year deal, $35 million in total base value. It can go up to, I believe, 39 because each year he has a million-dollar Pro Bowl incentive, which is not likely to be earned because he hasn't earned a Pro Bowl nomination yet. But it's basically a four-year deal worth $9 million per year. A cap hit this year, I believe, $6.7 million, $13.5 million in, in year one cash. It's a deal that's very reminiscent of what the Bengals have given to other positions. But the fact that it's this position, right? It's not just guard. It's right guard. It's a position that has that has inhabited, what, 12 mostly scrubs at the position since Kevin Zeidler has played there in 2016-2017. It, it feels like it's just like the end of that time of oppression you know and it finally came in the form of like you said a very solid player but also again the the deal is similar to what they like to give out to some of these top tier free agents but the the free agent himself is what they believe to be an ascending player very much like Chidabe Wuzier very much like Trey Hendrickson a solid player at their beginning uh, team their first three or four years but the hope is that he improves his overall quality of play and generates even more value based off of what they're paying him and based off the fact that he's been healthy for the last three years he's gotten better each and every single year there's a lot of hope that that actually happens and conceivable starting right guard at this point especially with that money right so um that, that's that's where they're going with that and now the Bengals have arguably uh, as that position gets settled there are questions at three other offensive line spots so they continue to do work, and within the first two hours of free agency, John, they had two offensive line acquisitions here, and the other one, there's a very similar pedigree in terms of type of player, what the, who this player is, and uh, all of, you know, again, had won championships with New England, Kappa won a championship with Brady and Tampa Bay, they get that leadership on the line. Veteran, but not old veteran, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Still still some time left. And like you said, ascending player for Kappa. You may be at the peak for this next player because he's a, he's a little older, but Ted Karras joins the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was announced about an hour and a half or so after the Kappa signing. Um, a guy who has played on New England's line. He's played a couple of different positions. He's got the versatility gene that the Bengals – Love, love, love out of the, out of their offensive linemen, but it would seem John because he has taken uh, at least uh, you know the bulk of his career snaps have been at center, so it would seem that that's the plan here for Ted Karras and the Bengals. So there's a lot to digest with this because he was drafted like a sixth round pick in 2016. He was basically like a Trey Hill type prospect coming out of Illinois, maybe a little bit older, but regardless, he didn't see the field for the first two or three years in new england just because they had i think david andrews or whoever at center then and then he the first time he had extended playing time was at center in 2019 it was the last year of his rookie contract patriots typically don't resign most of the guys who end up getting paid elsewhere but he only took like a one-year deal with the miami dolphins and they had him play center in 2020 and both of those years like he was decent he was like league average starter level quality and it was the first two years that he actually played starting snaps and whatnot then he came back to new england last year and i believe played both left and right guard i think more left guard i'll I'll have to double check that but regardless you're right he has experience at all three interior positions but anthony it is the question though like if they were targeting jensen and they were looking at other guys like brian allen uh, for the Rams, re-signed with the team. That's another center off the board. Ben Jones, I believe, re-signed with the Titans for like $7 million per year. Center market is getting a little bit thin, and you have to wonder, based off of what they were likely going to do with Jensen and the fact that they signed this guy after signing, inking a guard to a big deal, it kind of does feel like Karras is the center going forward, but the fact that he has positional versatility gives them options in case other things do open up. 
it seems to me, and I have not, uh, I was, uh, before we took the air, I was driving for a little bit, so I haven't monitored uh, up to the minute quite yet right now, but it seems to me, especially early in free agency, John, that not only the Bengals, because of what happened in the Super Bowl, but the rest of the NFL is taking note at some elements of the, the teams in the Super Bowl and what happened in the Super Bowl in the form of signing guys who can get you pressure on the interior, on the defensive line, and shoring up the interior of the offensive line to be able to negate an interior pass rush. The tackle market has been, at least from an interior uh, interior offensive line standpoint, initially at the onset of free agency, there hasn't been as, many, as much movement on the tackle front. We'll talk Lael Collins in a little bit. There hasn't been as much movement on the tackle front that I have seen, at least not initially, um, I mean, there's Joseph Noteboom and others in there that have that have received deals. But just to me, it seems, and maybe it's just a Bengals-centric view, but it seems like the interior of the offensive line, interior defensive line, were were focuses of a lot of team, uh, a lot of teams in free agency to start off here. Yeah, we. I think I think we had a comment. Um, I, I can't can't scroll up to the comments to look at it, but it was something about I believe Ted Karras is like a third generation. NFL mm-hmm. player and his grand, his grand. I, I wish I could see it. I can't scroll up to see the comments or whatnot, but that that is definitely a quality of Ted Karras, and you can classify him with that as well. But also, I think in general, like here it is said, right here. It's from Dan the Man. There we go, Dan the Man. Ted Karras is a third generation NFL player whose great uncle was a Hall of Fame. Dan took my. He, he took my. Oh man, I was gonna do a. Did you know? Because his uncle. <laughs> Was the guy? I think his uncle was. Uh, maybe it's his. He says his great uncle was in, uh, in Blazing Saddles. I think his uncle, or maybe it was his great uncle Ted Karras, who was also in the '80s sitcom Webster. Uh, that was that was on for quite some time and was a, was a really good show. So Dan taking stealing my thunder about a little <laughs> tidbit of info. Um, I assume that's the one you were talking about in terms of third generation NFL player, but smart technician championship and these aren't these aren't the you know this isn't a joe tooney type of move that would have been last year in terms of you know absolutely pushing the needle all the way to the you know wow but these are solid steady additions i believe that should um not exponentially improve the offensive line but also not just marginally improve it it should just be a a a nice improvement with these two players on the offensive line no, I think this is what people wanted last year, and they basically yep. didn't do it aside from Riley Reef. In this case, you have Ryan Jensen, who, in the way that they structure contracts, would have probably cost them about ten million against the cap this year. In total, the Bengals are spending eleven point seven five million in cap dollars for both Alex Kappa and Ted Karras this year. They're spending about twenty million in total year one cash. So this is basically a situation like we talked about last year with cornerback. Instead of signing William Jackson to a, a three-year, $14 million per year deal, they signed both Mike Hilton and Chidabe Wuzier to about the same price in terms of cash and cap. They're, they're solving multiple errors or we, liabilities on the offensive line instead of going out and getting one of the elite guys. And unfortunately, they couldn't get the elite guy that they were targeting. But overall, the offensive line in general is a little bit better than if they just signed Jensen. Yep. Yep, they uh, they took care of a couple spots. You see some, a nice uh, tidbit of stat from our buddy Ben Baby there. Ted Karras um, ranked 11th in pass block win rate as a guard last year per, per ESPN Stats and Info and Next Gen. He was um, 27th as a center in 2020. Uh, can obviously do that, so we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Bengals are making moves to, to improve their football team at some of their weakest areas, and these seem to be two – like I said, solid and, and steady improvements here. And of course, I think it was, let's see, this was a quote from Field Yates that I wanted to, I basically kind of had a classier way of saying the the glass eaters comment. Um, this is Field Yates from ESPN here. Uh, both Alex Kappa and Ted Karras are no nonsense, tough as nails and rock solid as pass protectors. There's no doubt that since he's taken a major step forward in correcting their pass protection in a major way so far today. So the national media is taking note, even though they are not, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not, it's not wide receivers and quarterback signings and, you know, the, the sexy positions, it's interior offensive line, at least at the onset of free agency, but that's what they needed. That's what they needed. They needed the veteran guys. They needed steadiness on the interior of that line, John. So um, I think a lot of fans, 
again, these uh, you, you kind of said tongue in cheek about the Pro Bowl incentive for Kappa. That's probably not an expectation for these guys in terms of Pro Bowls, but hey, uh, they don't necessarily need that. They need steadiness and consistency uh, across the, the the front of the offensive line, and not <laughs> nine sacks, seven sacks, that sort of thing in big games. Yeah. It- just to be clear, like the, that's the official language of like the contract. If you haven't like earned a Pro Bowl nomination before, it's classified as like a not likely to be earned. Like he could feasibly make a Pro Bowl if the Bengals are good and he's good. Yeah. But yeah, I think they just add that in as extra motivation as you would with an incentive. But 100%, he's a solid player. So is Ted Karras. Karras might be a little bit more consistent. He's a little bit older. But you like to think that Kappa is, again, ascending. It just makes a lot of sense for the types of players that they like to target, especially guys who aren't going to command a lot of guaranteed salaries and two biggest holes filled before what two 30 in the afternoon on Monday. Incredible. Yep. Yep. And I know there's a total disparity of actual money, guaranteed money cap hits all of that. And what the length of the contract in terms of value of the potential value of the contract. I mean, the big outside looking in, you're going to say, well, the Bengals spent $58 million on, you know, or $56 million, what have you on, on two offensive line pieces to aid their offensive line. And holistically speaking, even though that's not the real picture, holistically speaking, a lot of people shouldn't have a gripe about the Bengals. You know, Hey, they're not investing in Joe Burrow and protecting Joe Burrow. They're not investing in the offensive line. They made moves today. They made moves to help their football team today. We had a nice super chat. Thank you from Christian. Uh, No comment there, but just thank you for the support. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We did get one, and we'll we'll bring up Seagriffs in just a minute because uh, we're going to talk Lael Collins in, in a little bit. But let's keep going with the moves here. Uh, the Bengals ended up losing... Uh, I think this one came first, the mm-hmm. losing of Larry Ogunjobi. Um, and it, 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 this stings, but I think we, this was, we predicted how this one was going to go for the team, who they were going to sign, who they were not going to sign. Larry Ogunjobi gets a big, big contract to go with the Chicago bears, which is kind of interesting because the bears have seemingly engaged in some form of a fire sale uh, over the past couple of days, it would seem, but Ogunjobi signed a big contract with the bears, John three years worth $40.5 million, 26.35 million guaranteed a big, big payday for a guy who had a very good year last year. And the bears defensive line gave the Bengals offensive line a lot of trouble last year, but you have Mm -hmm. Eddie Goldman who just got released. Akeem Hicks is, I guess, going to test the market. So all they have right now, is Ogunjobi, and there were rumors that he was going to command north of ten million, or at least ten million per year. And on the surface, it doesn't seem like oh, that seems like a lot for Ogunjobi, but that's what explosive interior pass rushers command on the market. They are the highest value guys at, at that position. And you know, even though he ended the year getting injured, he still had a productive year as a pass rusher. There's still the same inconsistencies that plague him as a player, and that's probably why the Bengals didn't want to match this deal, but great for Larry to leverage a one-year deal to get 26 confirmed from the the Chicago Bears. He gets to play with Justin Fields. Very happy for him. Very deserved. I mean, I know there was consistency issues in kind of the, you know, um, the strikeout slash home run type of situation with Ogunjobi, but he was a very good addition for the Bengals on a one-year deal. 
And he has parlayed that into a very, very lucrative deal for himself. And so from that, the Bengals predictably pivoted. That's my that's my word of the day, pivot. pivot. <laughs> um, they have predictably pivoted to signing B.J. Hill to a nice contract himself, a guy who was a little more steady, maybe didn't have as many wow plays, but still had quite a few and, and had a, a lot of nice plays in the postseason, big plays. Um, a guy who really rejuvenated his career with the Bengals last year. Um, and I want to talk about some worries, you know, where I, I love these moves. I love what the Bengals have done on the offensive line and, and this move and, and keeping BJ Hill. I do have some concerns and we'll get to that in just a second, but uh, this is, this is a move I think that was predicted that the Bengals were going to keep one of these guys and it was probably going to be Hill for slightly less money. Yeah, and I think that's probably the most that they would have given Hill. He probably had some leverage just because Ogunjobi was gone and the market for defensive tackles was drying up, but I think it's still pretty solid. I think he gets $15 million in year one cash. We'll have to see what the cap hit is, but three years, $10 million for a starting three technique, that's pretty good. And just like we talked about with, with Willie Lutz, the fact that they, that Hill is not necessarily the athlete that Ogunjobi is as a pass rusher, it still has there's still a need for an explosive three technique to come through the draft. And the fact that they already addressed most of the offensive line and free agency, it opens up the draft to find that player. Yeah. So you see there are three years, 30 million, uh, 15 million in year one, according to Ian Rappaport there. So that is a pretty, pretty hefty deal. And the Bengals have spent uh, a bit of money uh, already. Three key players along with the franchise tag and signing a couple of other reserve uh, role players with the team uh, before the onset of the frenzy here on Monday. So um, there is that. And then we've got a couple of other things to get to here. This just broke John. And unfortunately this is going to pain pains me a little bit and pains. It's going to pain a lot of Bengals fans here. Unfortunately, tight end CJ Uzama is getting a three-year, $24 million deal with the New York Jets. The New York Jets once again being players in the free agent market, and they take another player from the Cincinnati Bengals, a guy that was just so crucial in a lot of different ways last year, John. I don't know what this means for the Bengals now for that position because, as we said when we did a free agency preview a couple of of weeks ago, that's quietly a very, very weak position group on this team. So now it, it, it it's getting weaker. How about Drew Sample? Come on down. Yeah, I guess. Moss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good for CJ, man. It was weird. Like I, I threw out like a projection for him. Like the Bengals give him a three-year deal with a void year, but like an average annual value of nine million per year. It wouldn't t- technically be nine million per year, but the majority reaction I got from that is that it's too much for Uzama, and because you know he was. This was by far his most productive year, and he's still in Eclipse 500 yards, and he's been in the league for five years now. He's never really been that that dominant tight end. And then the market for tight ends just kept, it, just kept getting more lucrative and lucrative. I think he's not the only guy to sign for $8 million per year. I think Moale Cox had like six. Well, Disley got eight. So I, I figured that eight to nine was probably the range for CJ, and I thought as long as it doesn't go beyond that, the Bengals would be interested in keeping him. So we're going to have to see the, the details of this contract to see if he got more money up front or more guaranteed money. Maybe he got guaranteed salaries, which the Bengals probably didn't offer him. But I am a little shocked that he chose the Jets over what I'm assuming the Bengals made an offer to him. And I'm assuming it didn't look quite differently than this, but maybe the Bengals didn't value him at that number. Yeah, maybe they didn't. And unfortunately, a big part of not only on-field success, but in the locker room, kind of the glue in the locker room and a guy that was kind of, I mean, the architect of a lot of rally cries and all kinds of stuff of the 21 Bengals is gone. And that that hurts you a little bit there from a number of different perspectives. Not the best tight end in the league, but a, a good one and a great guy in the locker room, a guy that's going to be sorely missed. C.J. Ozama signs a three-year, $24 million deal with the Jets per Adam Schefter. I want to go back here. Uh, we I, I glossed over this comment, unfortunately, from – our, our buddy Joe Goodberry joining us uh, live. Appreciate him tuning in and providing some valuable insight. He says, I was told, quote, Michael and, Wa- and Wenu uh, couldn't beat out Karras last year because Karras was the smartest dude they had when it came to their rules, adjustments, pickups on the offensive line. And that, in some ways, can trump some of the lack of athleticism because of the Bengals' 
communication issues, adjustment issues, issues with stunts and all kinds of stuff on the interior of the offensive line that we saw. So maybe that plays into things and how Karras can continue to be very valuable for the Bengals offensive line. Yeah, and that's why I had him pegged for center anyways. I feel like just who he is as a player just fits really well for what they probably need at center, just a guy to make all the calls and stuff. And yeah, I think that that just makes total sense in the world. And, you know, the the fact that they haven't signed like another guy, like there's still other centers available, but that position is kind of dwindling for the market. So it kind of seems like they, they got their guy there. But again, if something happens and they find another guy to play center at a price that they like, then they can always move Karras to left guard. They can. Thanks, Joe. Good to hear from you, bud. I hope you're doing well, my friend. Seagriff142 sent us a nice uh, super chat in the YouTube a little bit ago talking about Leal Collins. I I have loved the move so far. They still need a right tackle, so hopefully they can get Collins and then a corner so they can go BPA in the draft. Well, John, there's some – I – I don't know if it's, I mean, it's kind of good news. It's kind of bad news on the, on the front. I think for the most part, it's a, it tends a little bit to be a little bit more of the bad news front for the Bengals in terms of finances and, and the fact of what they've already spent in free agency so far. This is from Dove Kleiman, um, NFL insider on Twitter. The Cowboys are quote probable to release starting offensive tackle, Lael Collins, um, who, who that, and he relays that from Calvin Watkins, doubtful. He will be traded. looks like the trade market is, um, either not netting what the Cowboys are are wanting. Um, you know, I think the Cowboys are trying to get some picks, obviously, to use in a month or so. There's a lot of moving parts here because there's a June 1 release date. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that the Cowboys are probably mulling here. They wanted to trade to get that off the books and net some picks. It sounds like they're not getting what they want. Here's the deal, though, John, as you know and you mentioned on our show, that may not be – while having him on the starting or the uh, the free agent market is well and good uh, to have him available and you're not giving up draft capital. If you're the Bengals and you are interested in Lael Collins, the manageable contract for a good right tackle that they would absorb in a trade may not be a similar one in which he will sign during free agency frenzy if he is released. I don't know that, to be honest with you. I, I'm trying to look at this logically. That contract, in theory, is so attractive for any team that needs the right tackle. Lyle Collins is objectively a good player. And for whatever reason, the Cowboys can't get anything out of yeah. it. I think, I think yeah. at a certain point, there was a report that said they would just take any late-round pick, and nothing has happened. It's complete radio silence on that trade market, which kind of indicates that every team knows that he's going to be released. Like, the guy can't beat out Terrence Steele. Like, I don't know what the cow. Like, there's got to be something about Lyle beyond just the fact that he had hip surgery in 2020. He was suspended for PED usage last year. Just got to be something more beyond that as to why teams, for whatever reason, aren't comfortable taking on this very team-friendly deal for a starting right tackle. So if and when he does get released, like he's going to get released at this point. I don't think that he's going to get traded. I honestly don't think he's going to command more than what he's making right now, which bodes well for the Bengals, but also every other team. It just comes down to, where does he want to go? Because I don't think he's going to get that much of a different deal compared to anywhere else that he could go. He might end up taking just a one-year deal. That's what to, I was just going to say. Yeah, Exactly. Just to re-up his value. And if he wants to go to a good offense with a coach that he's familiar with, again, there's no no other team with more connections to get him back to where he wants to be in the market than the Bengals. So honestly, I think the fact that he gets to be a free agent and may not be able to make as much as he did with the Cowboys, that bodes really well for the Bengals. It... it, it you have you bring up a really good point. I just I think I also look at it from the lens of deals like you, we saw for Christian Kirk, right? I mean, you, you yeah. see these you see these deals where you go, how did that guy get that deal, right? Um, and, and so just this time of year, teams and sometimes it's the same t- kind of teams that do it. Um, they just throw money willy nilly at players, and you go, wow. But you're right. There is something to be said, whether it's the, the Cowboys have overplayed their hand here and they let teams know that they they, they want to get, get this guy off the books. And so they're just getting lowballed left and right. Maybe there are some, I don't know if it's character stuff, I don't know, whatever that's out there. Like you mentioned, injury history, all that kind of stuff. That teams are just going, eh, I don't know if I want to take on three years of that that's left potentially, even if it is friendly. I don't know if I want to take on three years of that 
with this player. Maybe, like you said, maybe this is more of a lucrative one-year rental deal where he can kind of reprove himself like a Larry Ogunjobi out there and parlay it into a nice contract for himself next year, even if it's on a, on a rental deal. So I don't, the, 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 we don't really know what's going on with Leal Collins. Uh, at least there's, it's been kind of mum, except for the fact that it looks like the Cowboys are set to potentially release him and he may become a free agent, whether that's very soon, whether that's a post June one thing, whatever the case may be. And we know that's a fluid situation. So we'll have to keep tabs on it, but it looks like teams are not really interested in trading for him or at least not giving up. I will say this, John, if the Bengals end up, getting him as a free agent for a very similar or even more friendly deal in free agency without giving up picks. That is like chef's kiss. I mean, that's like, wow. Uh, if you're able to, if you're able to do that, that's pretty good. And just what, four days ago, we had people saying they should trade the first round pick for him. And then this right. happens. It, it's right. it's never going to be as much as you think it is. Like Amari Cooper was dealt for a fifth and sixth because they just wanted to get that contract off the books. That's exactly what the Cowboys want with Lyle Collins. They're technically under the cap, but they owe him $10 million in cash in the next two years as well, which is why they might not even do a post-June 1 cap um, or release because if they do that, then they have to take on the prorated bonus next year. So maybe they just want all the future money gone, and at this point, it just it looks like that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we did get – I mean, I, I will have to do a little research on this here. Um, Drake Berry with the generous Super Chat, who are some tight end targets that we could – we could go after due to CJ leaving. Um, I have to catch up on where a lot of guys have gone. Um, you know, I think Gronk is still out there. We know there's a lot of hemming and hawing about him coming to Cincinnati, playing with Joe Burrow. Now that now that uh, uh, Brady's back, you know, we'll see what what happens with that there. But um, you know, there's there's that element out there i think kyle rudolph was was let go recently gerald everett an interesting option i don't yeah. know if he uh, uh i don't know that he's been scooped up as of yet you know the rams connection etc he did play with seattle last year but the, with the rams being familiar with that offensive system etc that that could be someone out there that uh could could move the needle i have not heard about oj howard um if he has been picked up i don't think that I, the tight end market was a little quiet earlier today um, so that could be a name out there. Um, I don't know if you have other thoughts there just off the top of your head. I was just going to predict if they sign a tight end to a multi-year deal, I'm going to say it's Gerald Everett. I I could see OJ Howard for like one year, but I think Everett's going to command multiple years. And if they want to invest that money, I think that's where they go. But again, if they didn't pay Uzamba eight mil for over three years, then maybe they don't end up getting a veteran on a multi-year deal. Maybe they they find a one-year rental. I don't think it's going to be Gronk. I think it's going to be back in Tampa Bay. But maybe they find like a guy with some upside for one year. They draft a guy in the middle rounds, and then they have that guy take over next year. That could it's entirely possible. Yeah. Well, let's keep rolling. We're gonna we're gonna cruise through here. We there's a lot to get to, but we're we're trying to hammer you with all kinds of information, give you a little bit of analysis and opinion as well. Let's take a look at some of the guys as we start closing this up, John. Let's take a look at some of the guys that. Uh, the we thought could be targets for the Bengals and where they have gone. Uh, here is another update from Adam Schefter um, where Brandon Scherf is signing. I, I don't think the terms have been released. At least they weren't earlier. Uh, a big deal, though, for him to go to the Jaguars. He's getting paid handsomely to go there. I think the Bengals were initially reported to have interest there. How high of a level of interest, we'll see. They may have been scared off by the number there and, and went with the guys that they have. So Brandon Scherf, a guy that's been kicked around for the past two years, really, as a possibility for the Bengals. Um, after being tagged twice here, he goes to the Jaguars. I think it was the Jags, the Jets, and the Bengals were linked to um, mm -hmm. Scherf as of this morning. And then, obviously, the Jags were going to have interest in offensive linemen. They signed another guy that we're going to talk about real quick. But, yeah, the fact that Scherf, I think, made – like 30 something million over the past two years, his price tag was already going to be kind of a little bit high, maybe a little bit more higher than the Bengals were comfortable with. They weren't going to give him guaranteed salaries and everything. So we don't know what these details are, but it is a Jaguar. So they probably probably gave him like 20 million per year or something like that. Something crazy. If that's what they gave Christian Kirk. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of money to spend. So uh, Scherf is a Jaguar. Let's go to. Lakin Tomlinson, the San Francisco 49ers guard, uh, a, a good player in his own right. He was going to be a hot commodity. He too, John, goes to the Jets. The Jets spending money, money, money. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson is going to the Jets. Tomlinson was a guy that the Bengals um, were, were 
supposedly interested in in one form or another there. So the Jets making moves to improve their football team. And this is interesting because they have Elijah Vera Tucker, who's a left guard by trade. Um, that's where he played last year. He, I guess he has tackle versatility, but Lakin has always been a left guard as well. So how they move those pieces around is going to be interesting. Maybe they move AVT to tackle, then they try to start try to shop Makai Becton. But I believe the 49ers are excuse me, the Jets, like their offensive coordinator has 49ers background. Obviously, Robert Salah was with the 49ers when Lakin was there. Mm-hmm. So a lot mm-hmm. of connections there, similar scheme and whatnot. Makes sense. It does make sense. And AVT did play tackle and guard, I think, at SC. So I, you're right. Maybe maybe it's him kicking outside or what have you. We'll see what happens there. But a big deal, three-year worth $40 million, max value $41.2 million, with 27 of it guaranteed, according to Ian Rappaport. And that is an article on CincyJungle.com that John wrote up uh, earlier today. Let's go boy uh let's go in the division a little bit first of all uh let's talk a little cleveland browns i don't have the articles pinned but just quickly uh i think there's i don't know if they have officially done it but i think they're set to release jarvis landry uh they did pick up amari cooper um so they they traded for him but they get rid of landry um, and then there's some rumors about Baker Mayfield on the trading block, potentially. Um, I don't know that those are very founded at this point in time. I think there's Deshaun Watson involved in that one, potentially. But uh, what do you make of what the Browns are doing, John? Yeah, they missed out on B.J. Hill and some other defensive tackles. They ended up signing like Taven Bryan, and they went into free agency needing defensive tackle help. Bryan is not necessarily a great starter, but he's an athlete, so maybe they can get maybe something out of him that Jacksonville couldn't. So aside from Amari Cooper trading for him, like they haven't really done that much. And I don't think, I think the Browns were interested in seeing if Deshaun Watson wanted to play there. And I believe there was a report that said that, yeah, Watson's not waving his no trade for Cleveland. So they're, they're looking beyond Baker Mayfield, but aside from Watson, it's not, not, not a lot of, not a lot of options. Yeah. And quickly on Deshaun Watson, this is from Aaron Wilson of uh on twitter nfl insider reporter deshaun watson is now set to meet monday evening in houston with saints and panthers i guess representatives um the two front runners to land him in a potential blockbuster trade according to league sources so it looks like he's going to go in the nfc south as of now um stay stay kind of at least somewhat geographically close to where he was playing with the Texans. He will not be with the Texans next year, though. That is pretty much a foregone conclusion. And, uh, you know, as we talked about last week on the listener questions to Sean Watson, um, we know, we know some of the legal stuff that what happened Friday. So now teams are really kind of being a little bit more aggressive on, on that front. Uh, here we go though. The, are you John ready go. for the here Cincinnati Bengals? Are you ready for the Cincinnati Bengals to face off against one Mitchell Trubisky twice in 22? Are you ready for it? That is a clash of the ages. Actually a lot of people, John, I, I there are some people who actually think that this is a, a better move than a lot of people uh, you know, the the average Joe kind of gives it credit for, you know, they look at some of the athleticism of Trubisky and his record as a starter overall and all of that. And they say, well, you know, maybe a more stable organization and, and some talent around him could lift the play. I, I don't know. I mean, the Bears had some talented teams around him as well. So what do you think of this one? I don't think that Trubisky is an awful quarterback by any means. He's, I don't he, was, he was never worth the second overall pick, and he definitely didn't go to a great situation because Mac Nagy was absolutely clueless, and he was always overrated when the Bears were doing well with him. It, it just always falls somewhere in between. It was very odd to hear everything about, oh, there's a lot of buzz with Trubisky, even though he just sat on the bench behind Josh Allen for a year. And the, th- the thought was, yeah, that Chicago held him back, and he had more left in the tank i don't think the steelers are going to be awful with mitchell trubisky but from a Bengals perspective this shouldn't scare any Bengals fans when the Bengals face off with trubisky they have the advantage of quarterback they're just the better team in general this doesn't really move the needle to increase the steelers chances of winning the division overall but this is mike tomlin and he doesn't know what losing is i don't have no doubt in my mind that he thinks that trubisky can get them to eight nine wins and get into the conversation to go to the wild to be a wild card team 
But beyond that, it's just asking for a lot and probably something that Trubisky's not capable of doing. Yeah, that's uh, that's well said. I mean, he's. I, I don't. I would assume that the Steelers are going to be drafting some form of a replacement as well. Um, but he is uh, going to be Pittsburgh's, I guess, starter. It's probably going to be a bridge type of situation with a rookie, unless Trubisky really lights it up. Um, again, just trying to kind of trying to see what they have left in the tank there. Yeah, and this this should not affect them from drafting a long-term replacement. It's only for two years, and he's expected to start this year, but any quarterback that they probably would have drafted this year, you're talking like Malik Willis, maybe a Bearcat and Desmond Ritter, those guys probably weren't going to start this year anyways or be ready to start. So as a bridge guy, yeah, I think it could work. Behind that offensive line as it's currently constructed, leads to a little bit less confidence it leads to less confidence um so we've we've gone on a a bit here Uh, i guess what i want to kind of end with john uh, aside from getting kind of some of your final thoughts here uh, i'm trying to find a a good tracker uh of, of players here i found one here on cbs sports in terms of some top players that may or may not be available who do you have your eye on for the Bengals targets in the next couple of days here, it would seem the tight end has to be on that list of priorities. Now that CJ Uzama sounds like he's signing elsewhere. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Tackle um, tight end corner. What, what are we thinking? And, and is any specific names in your head that you've got that you're thinking about? Well, your guy Morgan Moses is still out there and I mm-hmm. think he just fits in to the likelihood of what they do at right tackle, it's probably not going... If it's not Lael Collins, and even he might just be a one-year deal, it's going to be someone on the other side of like 29 or 30 to sign a one-year deal. And you know what? That's not the worst case in the world. So long as they stay healthy, they have another year to develop Deontay Smith or maybe draft a guy at tackle. So Daryl Williams is an option. He was just released by the Bills today. He could try to re-up his value with a one-year deal. Morgan Moses, like we just mentioned, he's another option as well. You're looking at cornerback. I really don't really have any names off the top of my head. Casey Hayward is an interesting guy who's yeah. also on the other side of 30. Stefan Gilmore is out there. Dante Jackson it would be a guy that more fits the the prototype of what they like in free agency. So that's an option as well. But yeah, if they, again, if they want to invest in tight end, I would say Gerald Everett would, would be the guy that I would predict. But again, it's just a matter of where they're going to prioritize. You, you have to think it's coming down to tackle, cornerback, and tight end at this point. It's just... There's not, I don't think, enough money to pay high-level starters at all three of those positions, but I could definitely see at least two. Yeah, a couple of youngish corners that may be a little bit more affordable, and the Bengals may, you know, you, you mentioned a bunch. There's Darius Williams. There's also um, Javarius Ward, who uh, did not have great games against the Bengals, uh, particularly in the regular season. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, here's, here's where, the you know, you look at, what I was talking about with the tackle market, you know, the very first top person, Taron Armstead, has yet to sign here. You see down here, and this again is a, a courtesy of CBS Sports, but the Trent Brown still out there. Um, you know, I mean, Dwayne Brown, the older, you know, 36-year-old tackle. You've got Austin, uh, you know, interior offensive line options. Um, you know, the Bengals did a, a good job shoring that up, so you'd have to kind of move things around a little bit. But a couple of other names that – Austin Corbett and James Daniels that were, you know, I guess from a fan perspective, kind of sort of linked to the Bengals. Uh, Gronkowski's out there. Bozeman is still out there. Um, and then you've got a couple of other Nopum did sign. So, uh, you know, there, there are a couple of guys out there. And I do think Gerald Everett from the tight end spot makes a lot of sense for the Bengals just uh, f- from a need standpoint and just a fit. So, uh, and I, I think, you know, I don't know that that would be, an even swap necessarily for everything that CJ Uzama brought, but um, you know, it'd be something that, that would help uh, be a pretty good band aid, I guess, on the situation at that point. For sure. And they need to get younger at that position. Anyways, they need to look beyond drew sample. So expect something in the draft as well. And just real, real quick to wrap things up. We don't have the official cap hit for BJ Hill just yet, but we have his cash number for this year and going back to Trent Taylor, which was the technically the first free agent signing all the way from Taylor to BJ Hill the Bengals have signed eight players. Two of them, or two of them, have been external guys. Six of them have been re-signings. In total, they've spent just north of fifty million in year one cash. And if we were to project BJ Hill's cap hit, they've about spent thirty-seven, thirty-six-ish million against the cap this year. I think right now in cap space, 
They're right around 20 million, but that is not including the inevitable releases of both Trey Waynes and Trey Hopkins. So definitely more cash that they can spend and definitely more cap room that they can use. Russ ENT with the nice last minute uh, super chat. Thank you, Russ. Appreciate that. And appreciate your support. You're always very generous and we thank you for that. John, any other final thoughts or things that we should chat about before we hop out of here? can't believe we, we weren't live right before Uzama left us, you know, that's kind of, I know. It's breaking news, but yeah, I guess if there is one like minor disappointment, it's probably that just because of the person that Uzama is. We could talk more about this Wednesday, but yeah, I guess if there's anything to kind of put a wet blanket on today, it's it's that. But you know, two solid offensive linemen signed, and potentially more to come. It's a net positive day, I think, for Bengals fans. That's a good way to put it. Net positive day for sure, and we have a ton of live viewers across all of our platforms, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Literally watching us live. Appreciate all of you tuning in live, getting your free agency fix with us, be it for, for the Cincinnati Bengals or other teams in the NFL. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. If you're a new viewer, thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel right below the Cincy Jungle logo there. And you can click that to be notified. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, etc. So please do that and subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer where you can get this show, the Orange and Black Insider, Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim, and of course, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick. John, we tried to keep it a little short. We still went long, but we kept it under what we usually do. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for your willingness to come on. We'll probably update some things again tomorrow depending on what the Bengals do. And then, of course, we have our Wednesday show. I will talk to you then, man. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and we will be seeing you more and more this week.